Aloha, everyone. How's that one? I get my own introduction. Yeah, video. Amen, amen. <laughs> so, yes, church, aloha. My name is Miley Tuponia, and I'm so happy to be here this morning. So, I've been going to New Hope Kailua since 2014, and like Pastor Mark mentioned, that I lead children's church ministry. So, this is a different scene for me, you know, like being in front of adults where everyone's eye level to me, yeah, and I, I don't have to bend down to talk to you, and I don't have to use my teacher voice to get your attention, yeah? So I'm super excited to share God's word with you this morning. So growing up in a Tongan household, I can recall seeing my paternal grandmother every morning with her Bible open, reading her Bible during her free time, and praying. In church, there's a special Sunday every year that we call the Taliui, where the ladies would each have a turn to share in front of the church how God has moved in their lives within the year. And I remember my grandma working on her speech, practicing her verse she wanted to share to reflect on God's goodness over herself and her family. After all the ladies are called, our church would honor them with a massive Tongan feast, which the men and the children will cook. So I'm not sure if you could see in that picture right there. Um, that's how it would look like. The ladies would be honored. And I could remember hearing the women testify, drawn to tears. And before I knew it, all of us would be crying. And I didn't even know what they were saying majority of the time. <laughs> but there was something different with them. The power of God rested on them. And we could tell that these women had spent meaningful time with the Lord. So if you reflect on your own life, isn't it true that women can have a huge source of faith in our lives? Amen. So today we're going to take a look for inspiration from the story of two women who had incredible faith. So let's jump into Judges 4. So after Ehud at whose death the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned to them over to King Jobin of Hazor, a Canaanite king, and the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheleth Yagoyim, forgive me, <laughs> Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. So the Israelites lived in peace for 80 years, but because they disobeyed and they forgot what God has done for them, they continued to go down in that rebellious spiral of turning away from God for 20 years until they realized that they needed help from God. So they cried out to God again. Yeah. So this is where we meet the next judge to bring Israel back to, into peace and safety, and her name was Deborah. In verse 4, Deborah, the wife of Labibatoth, double check that, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. We would, she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. For those who don't remember, a prophet is someone who proclaims God's word and therefore speaks 
for God. As a prophetess, Deborah valued her connection with God. And in order to be a prophet, she had to be in daily commute with God to discern what God wants to say to the Israelites through her. So our first point is to recognize that major faith starts with being in daily commute with God. So again, major faith starts with being in daily communion with God. It is the foundation for us to connect with God. And during Jesus' ministry, there are countless times where you would read of Jesus drawing himself away from the crowd to have time to be alone with God and to pray. Jesus needed to draw back to the Lord, who was the source of his strength. So when we spend time, spend daily time with the Lord, we are able to hear the voice of the Lord and know his characteristics, know his goodness, to distinguish what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord. For the enemy wants us to believe in his lies, to create doubt and to distract us from God. In the story, Deborah showed her faith by being the only woman who was both a prophet and a judge. Some men would think God excludes women from any kind of ministry. But besides Moses and Samuel, she was the only prophet and judge to lead Israel. And in order for people to respect Deborah, she would have to gain their respect by her consistent walk with the Lord. And the people respected her enough to bring their disputes for her advice because they trusted that what she was saying was on behalf of the Lord. Another great woman of faith is Cory Tedboom, who was a Dutch watchmaker and a pioneer of faith. During the World War II Holocaust, Cory, along with her family, helped many Jewish people escape from the Nazi invasion by hiding them in her, her home. Unfortunately, her family got caught, and she and her sister Betsy was sent to a concentration camp. While she and the other prisoners were subject to endless endless days of abuse. Every night, the two sisters would find time and energy to organize prayer groups and to teach about Jesus to others with a little Bible that Corey smuggled in her clothes. She would lean on the word of God to push her every day, especially on the days when she wanted to give up. After almost a year, and by God's miracle, she was released out of the camp. But sadly, her sister Betsy died. But to Cory Ted Boom, she believed that her testimony lives on. Because of the many people entering the camp, not knowing who Jesus is, to then many people dying with the name of Jesus on their lips. She and her family helped save over 800 Jewish refugees. As you guys can see in that picture there where Corey is showing you um, her closet, that's actually the area where her and her family would hide Jewish refugees until they, had, until they were in safety. Corey later became a famous writer and a public speaker sharing her story in hope in God while she was in prison. Corey Tedboom said in an interview that she always believed in God, but now she knows from experience that Jesus's light is stronger than any deepest darkness. Amen. So it goes on to our next point. 
major faith often steps out of society's expectation. Like Corey Ted Boom, as a woman, Deborah broke barriers leading people. She didn't allow men's point of view to stop her from doing the Lord's work. So don't let that fear society puts on us stop us from moving in a mighty way of God. Don't let your age, your gender, or your social upbringings define who you are. And have the faith to look beyond your physical capacities and place your faith in God. Because Jesus said that when we have faith, we can move mountains. Amen? And if we believe and have no doubt in our hearts, faith pushes past those doubts. In verse 6, one day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kedesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Go out, call out. 10,000 warriors from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun at the Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishad River, and there I would give you victory over him. So even as a judge leading the Israelites, Deborah knew that it was not her calling to deliver Israel out of the Canaanites. She obeyed the command of God by giving Barak the message of what God had in store for his people. Deborah trusted in God's way to give victory over oppression. In our next point, major faith holds to the certainty and expects victory. So major faith holds to God's certainty and expects victory. It's like debating if you should take a new job or a promotion because you know that it would bring money. But even with more money, added responsibilities may pull you away from your family. So faith is holding on to the certainty that God wants us to cherish our families and it would lead us to the victory of walking in his provision even when we don't see it. Amen? So in trusting in his word, that my God supplies all of our needs according to the riches of glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, that's a hard one. So during the pandemic, during the pandemic, our father passed away all of a sudden. And it broke our hearts that nobody was able to be there when, he, when his earthly body took his last breath. But then I remembered God's promise that it to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And he wasn't alone because I knew that the Spirit of God was with him the whole time. So believing, I hold on to the certainty that my dad is with the Lord. And it gives me the victory of knowing that I didn't miss out of an opportunity to see him. Because I will see him again in our eternal home because of Christ Jesus. And then what happened in Maui was a tragedy, right? To witness our neighbor island families lose their home, businesses, and even loved ones during the fires. It would only be right to feel lost, angry, and hurt to see everything you cherish gone in a blink of a second. 
But through God, we see how people come together in unity to provide help and supplies for families. It's amazing to see. We can stand in faith that a movement of God's spirit is activating in people all around the world. So holding on to the certainty that God is moving in Lahaina gives us the hope of victory yet to come. Amen? God is so good. So in verse 8, Barak told her, I would go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be in the hands of a woman. Hmm. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. After Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulah and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up to meet with him. And also Deborah, Deborah also went with him. In verse 8, it reminds me of Exodus, where God told Moses to continue on their journey to the promised land without him. But Moses refused to go without him. So Deborah brave, bravely agreed to accompany Barak to Mount Tabor because of Barak's lack of faith. If she didn't go, he wouldn't go. And Barak demands... Barak's demands showed that he trusted her faith in God more than his own. Because of Barak's lack of faith, Deborah stepped out in bold faith to lead by example and to trust God. She didn't have any military experience, and her being part of the battle was very dangerous. But Deborah believed and trusted that the Lord will make good on his promises to rescue them from the Canaanites. So she courageously agreed to accompany Barak and his army. That brings us to our next point. Major faith recognizes our assurance in Jesus Christ. Yeah? I, I just think it's amazing that we sang that, Blessed in Assurance, during worship. Like, it just makes so much sense, right? That he is our song. But if we see ourselves in a Barak situation we can look to Jesus as our assurance that he won't fail us. Billy Graham said in a quote, the Bible teaches that faith is only approach that we have to God. No man has sin, sins forgiven. No man goes to heaven. No man has assurance of peace and happiness until he has faith in Jesus Christ. So, so like in Exodus, when Moses pleaded with God to go with them to the promised land, God finally gave in and he answered, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The presence of God means rest and peace in our lives. And that presence is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And without the assurance, without the insurance all we have is the suffering the world brings. Deborah mentioned that because Barak is not taking the course of what God planned, he won't be getting the credit. For the Lord will deliver Sisera in the hands of a woman. As we read on more, when the Israelites saw Sisera at the top of the Mount Tabor with his 900 chariots, they hesitated. But Deborah reminded Barak of God's promises, encouraging them and rebuilding their faith in the Lord. 
she mentions, get ready. This is the day of the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. Deborah never forgot all the trials and wars God delivered the Israelites from when they listened, when they listened to his commands. Here we see Deborah giving the final reminder of God's promise, victory over the enemy, and the army is empowered by her encouragement. In verse 15, it reads, At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and the army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. So all that to say, Deborah was right. She actually spoke God's word, and the victory came to pass. Amen. So to recap, I'm going to pull a Pastor Mark. Might as well, right? <laughs> to recap, belief. Deborah had belief. Belief in the only and the one true God. And through her belief, she was able to have trust. Because she was actively living out her belief, she trusted in the Lord's promise that he would go ahead and deliver them from oppression and pain. Oh, no. Got to write slow. Make sure I spell it correctly. And then there's obedience. In obedience, it actually wasn't Deborah. It wasn't Deborah who acted in the obedience. But we will learn about this other Manawahine. And that is going to be shared by my sister here, Anita Tiponiwa. Get on here, sis. Right, good job, sis. Okay. So, yes, my name is Anita, and I'm going to be picking up where Miley had left off. So, many times when this chapter in Judges is brought forth, the main character is Deborah. And rightfully so, right? But we're going to read about today an ordinary woman who acted extraordinary. And her name is Jael. So picking up in verse, four, uh, verse 17, it says, Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Habar the Kenite, because Habar's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. So just some quick context to Jael is that she's the wife of Habar, the Kenite. And you're probably asking, who's Habar? In verse 11 that Miley, uh, it's in the same chapter. Verse 11, it says, Now Habar, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law. Other translations say that it's actually uh, his father-in-law named Hobab, 
had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zainanim near Kadesh. So the Kenite people and the Israelites were actually on good terms. And it's believed that the Kenites knew God, Yahweh, because of the relationship that Moses had with them. And then he, you know, he lived with them. He eventually um, got married into the tribe. And so the Kenites were known to be metalsmiths. So remember this trade now, okay? And they knew the desert very well. So Habar, Jael's husband, moved his family away. And then he came into alliance with Jabin, king of Hazar, who again, like Miley had mentioned, was actually suppressing the people of Israel. And with him was his army commander, Sisera. So here's Jael coming out of her tent to meet Sisera who cowardly runs away on foot because everybody else is wiped out already. And, you know, Barak and his army are going after him. So we're going to learn what's actually his fate in these next verses, which says in verse seven, uh, 19, Sisera says, please give me some water. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. So the first lesson that we can get here from JL's story is point number five, which is major faith means showing kindness to our enemies. Hold on, we're not like hear that, yeah? Showing kindness to enemies, yeah, right. Um, but JL knew the alliance her husband made. So it was her duty to go out and receive Sisera. But she actually went beyond that and was kind to him. Showed him kindness by taking him in when he asked for water, which would have just, you know, because he dehydrated, right? Cowardly running away. But she gave him milk. And in the story, when I, you know, was preparing for today, I was like, milk? Okay. It was actually fresh milk. So here she is, you know, putting in all the time. And she goes and gives him that milk. And then, you know, ended up recovering him. Because, again, he's running away from Barak and his army. So just a question for us today. What do you do if you find yourself in a situation of being mistreated? Right? Are there people in our lives who challenge us? that oppress us or do evil and that we can show kindness to. Absolutely. Like Pastor Mark was talking about, right? About our families. Maybe some of the hardest people, right? Because why, why to me, why that would be the most hardest is because they know me the most. They've seen me from my beginnings and all the way through. But Everybody deserves kindness. And so in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Do not repeat, repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, you were called, not your neighbor, but 
the word says that you were called so that you may inherit the blessing. That can be a hard one to chew on sometimes, right, people? Right, fam? But just a, a story. So some of you may know that I work for the courthouse. And everyone that calls our office to make an appointment is 99.9% of the time are upset. They're calling because the judge had ordered them to fulfill a requirement because basically we broke the law. So when these clients call our clerical, they, you know, they're calling because they're not the happiest, right? And so our clerical in the little notes, they'll put, oh, this person was grumpy. This person was blabbing on about this. Uh, the client's mother said, da, 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 you know, and this note is actually for us advisors. It's to help forewarn us, right, to what to expect during the appointment or, you know, to basically armor up, right? But for me, when I see this note, it actually tells me that I need to be extra kind. I need to be extra helpful to the client. Why? Because, like the verse says, we don't repay evil for evil or insult for insult. You can talk all you want. Unfortunately, you're still going to have to do what you got to do for the judge. But I'm going to make the atmosphere as calming as possible. You know, we, of course, we don't like to get punished. But in this process, I'm not going to repay evil for evil. And so I'm telling you, almost every single time after the appointment, the clients are calm. They're, you know, sometimes they're even asking me for forgiveness. And I know that's only from the Lord, I'm telling you, right? So Jael in this story is doing such an act of kindness towards evil. So we're going to move on to now the verse 20 where Sisera says, Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. For me, when I read that, I was like, wait, hold up, Sisera. After taking you in, giving you a blanket and milk so you can go shishi nai nai, and now you want me to go outside and be more vulnerable because people are coming after you, like, that's horrible, right? But honestly, this is where I believe that Jael had the stirring in her spirit. Now, because here she is, right, in her tent. This is her space, her dwelling place. And then having to hide Sisera. And now he wants her to put herself at more risk and being more vulnerable by going outside of the tent. She has a choice to make. And whatever she chooses, it would need to be in that moment. And so God opened that opportunity for Jael to act. Because my, like Miley had read, this was Deborah's prophecy. Jael was fulfilling Deborah's prophecy. And so this is how Jael responds, verse 21. 
But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. So the big takeaway from Jael's story is major faith means you got to be one hammer for the Lord. Okay? One hammer. But all jokes aside, really, is that we can all imagine in this moment, right? Like sometimes we get those butterflies or whatever, to, you know, you probably never eat. But like we start getting super scared. Jael was super scared. I can totally imagine. Overwhelmed because here she is. Her husband's not there. Well, at least we don't read that he's there. And she had to make this choice that despite her emotions, she had to take that opportunity that only God can orchestrate. Sometimes for us, doing things we don't like to do or never could have imagined ourselves doing takes major faith. And no matter how we feel in the moment of being scared or anxious or sometimes maybe not even, you know, we're inadequate. Remember, family, it's only for a moment. Our life with God is eternal. And that is more important than a moment in our feelings. And so our point six is that major faith seizes the opportunities God puts in front of you. Some of us, well, most of us should know the story of Miss Rosa Parks. We've all heard her story about how the unfortunate where the bus driver ordered Miss Rosa Parks to give up her seat and stand, stand up in this crowded bus. And then she refused. In her words, she didn't refuse to stand because she was old. Actually, she was only 42, guys. I never know that. But she wasn't old or because she was so tired physically because of her long day of work. She said it was nothing normal. It wasn't out of the ordinary of her tiredness. What it was and why she refused to stand was because she was tired of giving in. Rosa Parks was actually the secretary of the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP. So it took this moment on the bus for her to say enough was enough. So she took hold of this moment and declared that the discrimination is going to stop here. So this was a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement. I want to ask you guys this. What is it when we act on our opportunities from God? It's our obedience, guys. Number three, that Miley wouldn't spell correctly. Jael's obedience was her recognizing the prompting to do something, and she took it. She took it with a hammer and a peg, right? And remembering the, you know, her um, family as being met, metalsmiths, right? She took what she had, the hammer and the 
the tent peg to strike Sisera and instantly killing him. How many of us already have the tools we need to step out in faith and take the opportunities God sets before us? What has God given you to use for his purpose? When we give our life to God, we have full access to all that he has for us. Again, guys, when we give our life to God, we have full access. We are his children. He doesn't withhold anything from us. We have full access. And yes, it's going to be scary. In some situations that we're called to be obedient in, but we believe, right? Number one, we believe and we trust in the Lord, not in myself, not in our family or whoever else, but we trust and believe in our God that he knows exactly what he's doing. So Jael's obedience fulfilled Deborah's prophecy that God said that the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Now, let's look what the last verses say in verse 22. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come, I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. Guys, pay attention to that verse 24 and 23 where it says, Israel saw God defeat Jabin. That again, God is fulfilling his promises with us when anything goes not our way. Remember what God had promised us. Remember God's goodness. It wasn't the first time that God's been good to us, right? Today, there's been countless times that he's been good. So we need to remember that. And for Jael, having major faith, it changed generations. Our obedience to the Lord, because we trust and believe that his ways are higher, makes all the difference. Not only in our own life, but for generations and generations to come. So can you imagine the kind of faith that our keiki and their keiki and their keiki could experience if we stepped out? Especially us women, right? And speak and act boldly. Not just speak, guys. But we speak and act right? And this is where we know that this is where we can put our faith and we can show our faith when the Lord calls. So just imagine the impact, right, to come based on your obedience today. Some of you may know my story. My Tuesday ladies definitely know. But, hey, right, the scripture says, share the word of your testimony, right? So, 
some of you may know how I came to Christ. And I want to give you the shortest version I can because I don't want to be crying up here, yeah? But I grew up in a very, like Miley said, very traditional Tongan church. And everything was spoken in Tongan. And at a young age, I wasn't too knowledgeable yet of the language. But we did a lot of our things according to traditions. So attending church to me back then was meaning that I'm a Christian because I went to church. But many years later, my coworker helped me to learn who God really is. And I'm so grateful he simply took that time to share with me his faith and the life of a follower of Jesus and what it really looked like. And of course, it wasn't his words. He always brought me back to the Bible. So again, it's, yes, it's God's promises, but if you don't know his voice, bust out the Bible right there. That's how we're going to learn. That's how we'll know the, the voice of our father. Like some of us know, yeah, just when your mom calls, oh, we know that's my mom because we know her voice. So for me, after hearing that and giving my life to Christ, I thought, okay, things got to change. I need to go to an English service church so I can understand what's being taught. And so I can hear for myself and read in the Bible who God really is. Unfortunately, at the time, uh, it was frowned upon to go to any other church besides the one that I grew up in. Some family members even made it super hard. But the thing was, it was okay. Because I had the Lord. I knew my father's voice. And so he told me, Nita, you got to go. Go and, and learn about me. And so I did. So unusual to my family, I woke up early and went to an English service church and then had to rush back home to get ready for our Tongan service that was in the afternoon. And I did that for a while. Uh, by myself. But it was okay, like I said, because through prayer, through being in small groups, through going and sharing with others, we prayed for my family to be saved and to know that going to church at that time growing up wasn't because I was, that's what made me a Christian. It wasn't that. But it was because I was following God and I wanted a relationship with him. And so, again, I'm alone, but I prayed. And of course, what do all of us do? We invite, I invited my sisters Every time, you like, come church with me. One, they didn't even wake up that early. But I was like, okay, I'm going to church by myself. See you guys later. I'll be back. And 
I'm telling you. Because I know the Lord, even more so, I pressed into him. I pressed into my sisters, yes. But I pressed into my family because they're worth it. I know that I want to spend eternity with them because my brothers and sisters are children of the Most High too. So I prayed, invited, and I am telling you, through prayer, and the grace of God, that I am one proud Tita, because my two sisters, Miley and Salote, are serving the Lord today. And again, look how faithful God is. That I never would have imagined at the time in the office with my coworker. I never knew saying yes to the Lord and the opportunity that he gave me to change wasn't only for me, but it was for my family. It was for the generations of our family to come. And so I'm so grateful. So family, we need to choose to say yes. Choose to say yes to your faith. Believe. Trust the Lord. May not look like it now to see results. But I'm telling you, things are happening in the spiritual realm that we have no idea of. And through our obedience, that's where we put our faith into practice. And so, to, just to close, for Miley and I, as we've been processing what God has given us to use to fulfill his purposes, we both have been really leaning into our tongue and heritage as a way to minister to the people of Tonga. So... We are actually taking a step, a very big step, of faith this week to go on a mission to Tonga. Amen. So I just want to invite Pastor Mark and, and Miley up to lead us in a time of prayer. Thank you. Amen. Um, so like Anita just said, this is a really cool opportunity to kind of how, um, I love that word, just how Deborah prophesies it, Jael comes and finishes the job, and they've been talking and ministering about faith. If you don't know, Miley and Anita have been pouring into our keiki, they've been pouring into our women on Tuesdays. Dude, you guys have been doing an awesome job just ministering, and now they're feeling like, okay, hey, Lord, what's the next step of obedience for us? And then now they're like, we got to go to Tonga. And this is the place of their kupuna. This is the place where, um, if you don't know too, they, the Tupanua family, they get plenty pastors in the family too, yeah? There's ministry in their blood. Uh, and so we're seeing that come alive in you guys, which is really, really special. And um, for this trip, I just feel like the Lord is going to um, really raise you guys to the next level of your spiritual leadership. Um, just going home and being able to have the confidence to go on this trip. And even just what you've been doing here this morning, preaching God's word so faithfully, we're just so proud of you guys. So what we want to do as a church, I'll invite Ohana can come up and lay hands on them. But every time someone goes on a mission trip, 
um, every time somebody leaves and we don't know when they're coming back, we just commission them. We just say, as, as one ohana, we're going to cover you. We're going to just put our, lay our hands on you, just pray God's blessings over you. And so we're going to pray that to close uh, this morning. So family, you guys can come up and just come in, um, join us on stage. And they're like scared. Yep, you too, brother. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> and um, if you wouldn't mind just extending a hand with us as we pray for Miley and Anita, this is going to be a, a crazy trip for them to um, just explore what ministry looks like with this awesome team from Other New Hopes uh, as they go and minister in Tonga to the people. Um, we just want to cover everything from logistics and safety all the way to their hearts and their precious opportunities that they have to minister the gospel. So uh, would you raise your hands with me as we pray? Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for these two amazing sisters, Lord, for the call in their life that you have just been raising them up to. We thank you, Lord, for their yes. We thank you that this is a right now a testimony of major faith, that we can talk about these beautiful heroes of Scripture all day long, but if it doesn't move us in our feet, Lord, then what's the point? And so, Lord, we just thank you that they've taken your word seriously, that they've listened to your voice clearly, and that they've discerned your voice and said, yes, Lord, in faith, we're going to use, just like Jael knew how to use one hammer. They know what it means to be Tongan. They have a heart for the people. They have a heart for that Aina. And, Lord, we just know that they are going to bless the people as they interact with them over there. We thank you, Lord, for their amazing upbringing. Thank you for this beautiful culture. Thank you for this beautiful, beautiful family. We thank you, Lord, for their kupuna and their, their kupuna and their kupuna, the generations, Lord, that they come after, generations of faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that they are a product of lots of prayer, especially from women in their life. We thank you, Lord, that they have, uh, are being raised to new levels of faith. And so, Jesus, we pray for this trip as they leave on Tuesday. God, would you cover every need that they have? Would there be no health, no logistical issue, God? We pray that every challenge that they face, that they would have the truth of the gospel wrapped around like a belt, that they know who they are in you. They know that you're in control. And, Jesus, that they know deeply the amount of love that you have for each one of them. We pray, God, for every interaction they encounter with people in Tonga as they, as they serve, as they minister. Lord, I pray that you would ordain interactions as you see fit. Lord, people who need hope, people who need to have a real, genuine encounter with the Lord would see that and how that would happen through Miley and Anita. We pray, God, as a church that we would continue in prayer this week for them. Uh, Lord, that we wouldn't forget about them. That, Lord, if, if they're in need of prayer, that you would remind us in our hearts and in our minds to stop what we're doing and to pray for Miley and Anita as they go. And Lord, we just thank you for the kingdom of Tonga. We thank you for what you're doing there. We thank you that you're already there. You've already been moving and that you're joining an incredible movement of the Lord in the islands of Tonga uh, this coming week. And so Jesus, bless their flight. Bless their team, Lord. May there be no squabbles among them. Uh, may there just be um, just one mind, one heart, one passion to see your name glorified on the trip. So Jesus, as a church, we just commit to prayer. We commit to sending them as like we're a body sending its own arm. And Lord, may they return back refreshed. May they return back with a new encounter from you that they would have a new revelation of your love, your goodness, your mercy, and testimonies to share that will encourage our faith. So Jesus, we just pray that you would bless them, cover them, go before them, be beside them, be inside of them, be between them as sisters, Lord. And, Father, that they would walk in full unity with your spirit. 
Jesus, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Would you just stand with us as we close in a quick blessing? Hey, we want to encourage you as you go and eat, stay and talk story and eat with us. But would you come and just give a word of encouragement or prayer for Miley and Anita? You will see them, not next week. How you guys gone next week? Two weeks. Three weeks. You'll see them in three weeks. Whole. So three weeks we'll see them, but keep them in prayer as they go. So the, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Be blessed, church.